It is Thursday, May 18th. I'm Scott Seidenberg. And I'm AJ Hoffman. The Heat steal game one from the Celtics. And game two of the Western Conference Finals tonight. Here comes the Vegas Truth. This is straight out of Vegas. We are straight out of Vegas AM, your daily destination for sports conversation with a Vegas lean. Here's what you need to know to start your day. Celtics, according to Jalen Brown, too cool. Lose by seven in game one of the Eastern Conference Finals. A night of walk-offs in Major League Baseball. In the PGA Championship. Tip or I guess tease off today, not tips off. I'm, I've had too much NBA lately. Kicks off, right? Kicks off, yeah. The, the PGA tees off. kicks off today. Tease off, guys. No, I think the first ball is actually going to be kicked. Well, uh, that's that's one. Yeah, that's violation. <laughs> that, that's the greatest joke in all of golf when you're like when you're with your buddies and then your buddy goes and he puts the ball down on a tee and then he lines it up right, but his the, the driver like accidentally touches the ball and knocks it off the tee <laughs> and then you just go. That's one. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and he picks it up, puts it back on. Are you going to iron out from here? Yeah, it's, 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 it's a classic joke that everybody says, and it never gets old. You're going you're gonna to use that uh, the driver off the turf again, huh? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, it's, it's called off the deck. It's a bold choice. Off the deck. Oh, whatever. Yeah. I don't know. That's one. What do I know? That's one. Vegas lead is going to be the NBA playoffs. Last night, the Heat go into Boston and steal game one and home court advantage. You always say steal. Yes. Like, they stole it. How did they steal it? They were because just they, they were better. Well, they were eight and a half point underdogs. That doesn't mean that they stole it. That means that they stole home court advantage. Well, what's your definition of steal, AJ? Steal would be like something uh, that doesn't belong to them. Home court advantage did not belong to them. Now it does. They stole it. You said they stole game one. Yes. Game one was up Thus, for grabs. Home court advantage. Like I, I don't know. Like if if there's some sort of shady call or something, then we can call it stealing. Like this was an ass whooping. This was the Heat were just better yesterday. So. I hate, heat, to, I hate to make it sound like the, fine. there was some confluence say, of events that let the Heat sneak away with one. Better. The Heat mugged game one from the Boston <laughs> Celtics. <laughs> because that's what it was. Uh, it was a mugging. I hate that. It was an armed mugging. They beat them. They did. They beat them bad. Like they stole something. The Heat win 123-116 cover and win outright as eight and a half dogs. The game goes over the total of 213. Mackenzie, you were saying this, um, like, it, it went up from 211. So money was coming in on the over. Yeah, game two, 215. I think market just thinks they were very wrong with that opening number. Uh, this is a different Heat team. This is a different Heat offense. This is a different, different Jimmy Butler than I think we've ever seen. I mean, even when it started coming out last year, he had that huge historic Game one last year in the Eastern Conference Finals. I wasn't as impressed as I am with him right now. Every possession, he was finding the right thing to do. Only seven assists, but some of them were such dimes, such perfect timing. Um, he's the best player in these playoffs. You know, Devin Booker had that title for a half a minute, but uh, him, him and Joker are battling one-two for that spot right now. Is not enough being made of the amount of three-pointers that the Heat shoot? Because I was listening to the broadcast and, uh, you know, I guess it was uh, Kevin Harlan's on TNT and he's talking with, uh, you know, Stan Van Gundy or whatever. And they were saying how um, the Heat, like they, like the, the Celtics had a bunch of points in the paint, but that's what, like, 
yeah. Miami wants you to do. They yeah. don't care about that. They're going to out three you, and their goal is to shoot like 43s a game. Well, well they, Time gonna, Lord had 14 points. Hey, do that again next they're, game. They're not going to shoot 52% from three every game. So if that is their strategy, I think the Celtics win the series. Uh, I mean, so does the market. They're minus 210 still. But uh, that's the trade-off. They're playing very small. And the, the Celtics can score a lot of twos when they're playing very small, but they were not able to keep up with them on the perimeter. Yeah, I think the amount of threes that they're taking isn't the issue. It's they're just making all of them because mm-hmm. they, they only took two more than the Celtics did. Yeah, well, the Celtics, they just were, made a lot Celtics more. had to take a lot of them at the end, too. But yeah, they, throughout the game, it was a much it was much bigger of a disparity than it wound up being when the game ended. I mean, the Heat were every possession. Looking for three pointers. Yeah, uh, I mean, even down when the game was nearly decided, down the stretch, Jimmy Butler runs down and chucks one that bricked uh, and the then Kevin popped Harlan up straight call. in the air and not brick <laughs> straight back down. Bucket. The Kevin yeah. Harlan call on that was absolutely incredible. Let's listen to it. Shot clock at three. Butler with Brogdon on him. It's a long three and good. Oh, Jimmy freaking Butler puts it in. <laughs> Kevin Harlan saying Jimmy freaking Butler. That was awesome. It was a fun call. <laughs> that was the call on TNT. That was amazing. Let me ask you, Mac, about Bam Adebayo, who I – it's funny. I, when I was doing uh, my prop bets yesterday – by the way, I, I w- lost my prop bet on Jason Tatum, who scored 30 points on 29 and a half. Uh, so I hate Jason Tatum. <laughs> um but Bam Adebayo was another guy I considered going under 17 and a half on him, and he ends up putting 20. And how much of his and nine of 13 from the floor, so really very efficient, how much of that success comes from the way the Heat were shooting and the Celtics having to adjust in game and seeing like everybody who's on the floor besides Bam is a willing shooter, so it's given him some open looks. I think that's a good point. Uh, third quarter, Heat scored 46 points. I don't think the Celtics were worried about Bam Adebayo shooting 75%. You know, you just have to eventually sell out when it's not working. You can't stop these guys. They were six for nine from three in the third quarter when they broke out. Uh, so, yeah, he, he's got to take advantage of that. He, they have to have points in the paint. They didn't necessarily last night the way they were shooting, but in in the course of the series, he's going to have to be pivotal. He's going to have to be probably better than Jalen Brown. You know, Tatum and Butler are going to cancel some, some themselves out to some degree. 35 for Butler, 30 for Tatum. If the Heat win this series, it was because Bam Adebayo was significantly the third best player in the series. What were your thoughts on Jason Tatum's night? Uh, like I mentioned the 30 points, four turnovers. Maybe like the bar that I've set in my head for what Jason Tatum should be is too high. Like I, I think of him as like the guy who they're just going to throw everything on his back and, and he's going to make it happen. And he was good last night, but what, what were your thoughts on his game? Is he going to have to be better than that to beat Jimmy Butler? 30 points, but a lot of it came of it, like you mentioned, last second, probably killed you with those free throws. Thank you. But only one assist in the game. Um, yeah, he, wa- he wasn't nearly as effective as Butler in this game. He's going to have to be better. It's funny, game six when he scored like one point in the first three quarters against the Philadelphia team uh, when they won that game, it was a big fourth quarter. I thought he was great the whole game. This, this game, you look at the stat line, 30 points, seven rebounds, one assist. Uh, I thought he was, you know, average at best. Do we now look at the bounce back spot for the Celtics. I mean, we've talked about it time and time again. The home team that loses game one wins game two. Was it 60-something percent of the time? Yeah. Covering, I'm talking about? Yeah, like 150 games, 60% ATS. I think we talked about this exact stat when the Celtics were down 0-1 in the last series. Mm -hmm. You might remember 121-87. It was never close. And the market respects that. So, yes, the Heat should be upgraded. 
No, they were not upgraded. We're still looking at a line of uh, Boston minus nine. Nine, nine which is higher than yeah. what it closed at last night? Uh, it closed at nine in a few, oh, closed a few nine places yeah. last night. A lot of money came in on Boston. Mm-hmm. Uh, incorrect. I was I – was because te- I also had Miami plus eight. I kept seeing that money. I was like, oh, God. What am I doing? Betting real dollars on could have had eight. What am I doing? <laughs> I know. I'm a dope. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, everyone seems to think that this is going to be the Celtics bounce back. They're nine point favorites coming up in game two. The total has increased to two fifteen. That might still be too low for where these two teams are pacing at right now. I gotta say, I continue to underrate the Heat. I played the Heat under team total last night. Uh, I think I'm like 0 for 3 on that exact bet in these playoffs. (laughs) Like, I just, I'm looking at the stats from the regular season. I understand Jimmy Butler's elevation, but it seems to be, every time I reach out, it's one level higher than I can even imagine. Well, how much of that is their their newfound, like, willingness for everybody to just chuck threes? Like, it seems like a scary team to bet the under on. It kind of provides clarity for the situation. Like I mentioned, they went to Jimmy Butler every possession. It wasn't like, who are we going to on this play? We're going to give it to Jimmy Butler and let him operate. Everybody else spread out for threes. Um, it's worked for LeBron for a lot of years. Teams with clarity on what each player is going to do uh, tend to have success. And still no Tyler Hero. Uh, the thought is that, you know, he, they're, they're hoping he can get back. Obviously, if he gets back, that's a big boost as yep. well. A guy, per game score. Yeah, a guy who has the potential to be their second best offensive player. Yep. Uh, it's always a, a nice thing to get back. I think uh, if you're a futures player, now is the time with a one-game-to-none lead. Put a little sprinkle on Jimmy Butler plus 1,200 to win finals MVP. Yeah. It's a better bet than the Heat plus 800 yeah. to win the I NBA mean, title. I mean, nobody else is going to yeah. win it. If Jimmy... No one else is going to win it if the Heat no, win right. it. And if you think that now the Heat have a better chance of getting to the finals by winning game one, then sprinkle a little bit on Butler 12-1 to 1 for finals MVP. How about the decision by the Celtics to play seven men all night? Or eight, I get no, I guess eight. They played eight guys all night, so nobody with like a few, you know, Grant Williams set the whole game. Muscala set the whole, like. Yep. Is is this something for a team that's played two seven game series? You would think you'd want to dig into your depth a little bit, especially early in the series. Is this something we could see cost the Celtics as the series goes on? It's definitely a decision you got to revisit after a loss. After a loss is a big favorite. Grant Williams was like the character of last year's playoffs. Haven't seen him in a minute. And I think the worry, I think Missoula's worry is that their offense is good. Their offense has been playing really well the last couple of games. Uh, if you put in a guy like Grant Williams or Blake Griffin and they go 0 for 3, hard to catch up, hard to maintain that offensive consistency. Even if you're straining your starters, you're straining your you know top seven rotation players, and maybe that hurts them on the defensive end. Yeah, I mean, you look at what they've done, what they did offensively last night, and it would literally have won every single game they played in these playoffs except for one. Like, let that sink in. Uh, uh, Except for two, excuse me. They gave up 120 to the Hawks in a win, the the series clinching win, and they gave up 100 and there was a, uh, they lost 116-105 to the Sixers. So the 116 that they scored last night would have been good to win every single game that they've played in these playoffs, except for two of them. It, it, that tells you everything you need to know. It's not, it's not their offense. The defense didn't show up because they allowed Miami to go out there and score 123. And what was that quote you had in the open from Jalen Brown, AJ? 
I think uh, it really tells the story of the, that the game. we came out too cool. Like I, I think they were feeling themselves. Like, and you know what? Fezzik said this when we did the Dream Pod. He said the Eastern Conference Finals already happened. It was it was <laughs> Philly and Boston. If if any player on the Boston Celtics let that get into their mind, mm. like they're like, oh, the Bucks are out. Uh, you know, if the cat the Cavs are out, we just beat the Sixers. We're waiting on the Nuggets Lakers winner. Like. That's the worst mindset you can have. And the Celtics, and give credit to RJ, he said in this spot where you're playing after Game 7 at home, you te- for whatever reason, historically, you do great in the second quarter. Last five minutes of the second quarter, they go on like an 18-5 to run, build this nine-point lead in the half. They're going, everyone in the halftime show, I know they don't listen, is talking about how the Celtics are doing everything right. Uh, then they give up 46 points in a quarter. Yeah. That doesn't seem like a coincidence. Yeah, they, they crushed them in the second quarter. If you would just wanted to isolate a second quarter bet, yep. that would have been Which RJ recommended. Yeah, the, you know, the Celtics, it was for, for you know, putting everything else aside, like they played well in the first half. It was just the third quarter where they got dominated and they lost the game. And in that third quarter, Jimmy Butler was the best player on the floor. He was the best player on the floor all night. But also, when you think about third quarter, what does that? What, what's the third quarter mean? You just came out of halftime, right? You should be making adjustments. Coaching. That's where coaching yeah. matters the most. And I really think. Well, what adjustments are you going to make with a nine-point lead as a nine-point favorite That's after true. the first half? Yeah. Joe Mazzulla said something really, really interesting in the first half when it was a close game. He said, um, turnovers, boxing out, or some you know, coach speak. I'm not really exactly sure what the instruction was, but the label he put on it, this is non-negotiable. This is non-negotiable. We can't turn it over. We have to, we have to de- defense, hit the defensive glass. That means they've been negotiating that all year. That means <sighs> that he knows plenty of times where they've said, nah, man, we're pretty good with the three ball. We're going to just play this game like whatever. Mm-hmm. He wanted 48 minutes of concentrated action. He obviously did not get it, did not instill that in his men. We can talk about coaching. But um, he, he sensed this lack of uh, urgency that, uh, that, that occurred. So here we are now, the Heat with a one-game-to-none lead. The Celtics still minus 210 to win the series. The Heat plus 170 on the comeback end for Game 2 Friday night. The Celtics a nine-point favorite, total of 215. Tonight it's Game 2 of the Western Conference Finals. The Nuggets a five-and-a-half-point favorite over the Lakers, total of 227. So an adjustment from game one where the Nuggets took all the money and the spread closed north of six to seven. Now the Lakers are taking money prior to this game all because of a second half comeback. Is that it? Or is it, I mean, is it the zigzag? Like, is it the the Lakers lost? So we expect a better effort for them. And I wonder, I mean, that closed seven and a half at some places. I wonder if there wasn't a premium, something about Denver Western conference finals at home. The market just felt it was going to be their night. Uh, Maybe there, if you take that point of, value off of it but you know maybe six or six and a half was closer to the right line but this is giving a lot of credit to the bounce back theory for sure I also think though that when you have a big comeback like the Lakers did it takes a lot of energy and if there was any game where fatigue is going to be an issue I think it's this game I think it's the game following so I could see Denver I could see it being a very similar script where Denver comes out and dominates the Lakers early or does fatigue come in later in the game, and is it the reverse of game one, where the Lakers are the ones that come out hot, and the Lakers have the first half lead, but then they fade completely in the second half, and then the Nuggets dominate the second half? The Nuggets, with Jokic's MVP campaign, have been the best first-half team in basketball. Uh, looking at these numbers here, so if you lose game one, and then you're a 5- to 10-point dog like the Lakers are in game two, you're only 41% ATS, so the zigzag is not working in this particular mm-hmm. stance. 
and you're losing the first half by five points. You're losing the game by seven points. So a lot of uh, a lot of trends here. It seems to make sense to me that a team wants to protect their home court, has the emphasis in the first half like the Nuggets, and they're always already a good first half team. I, I kind of like that at uh, minus three you can get. Nuggets first half. Yeah. Okay, we're going to play off the Lakers fatigue. We're going to go Nuggets first half. Total's 227, which uh, is a, a slight adjustment from the game one total because we saw it be such a, a high-scoring game one where it was 132, yeah, 126. Adjustment. It closed at 222, so now we're five points up from the game one total. Is that too much of an adjustment? I would lean that way. Um, I want to see this matchup again. I mean, neither team could stop could stop either team in the second half. What I really would like for this game to go over, and Fez talked about this theory, the over-over-under trend is amazing in the NBA. It's almost an autoplay. The fact that they've already bumped it up five points from game one to game two, they bump it up three or four more points, going to a different venue that's usually lower scoring in L.A., uh, that would probably be my under yeah, like, of the year. Yeah, like Lakers minus one, 229 and a half. Yes, I could see it. I could see that, especially if... Um, if the Nuggets win. Yeah, and it goes over. Yeah, and, it, yeah. and, it, and it goes over. If, if the same thing happens in game one and game two, yep. game three's an under. Or it's or just anything close to the 227. I think there'll be an auto adjustment to like 229 and a half. And then we just hammer the under in game three. And it might not hit, but if they're going to move it seven and a half points from the odds makers' best opinion from game one, I'm going to take that risk every time. All right, let me throw my player props at you, McKenzie. How about this? You eliminate the dud. You, I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bet the other. Uh, Anthony Davis, I'm going to go back to this well. Points, rebounds, assists, set at 40 and a half. I think what you said, if the game is if the game is an over game, I like my position there. I kind of like it on this other one, too. The Jokic 28 and a half, over 28 and a half. I know it's dumb to bet over on the star player of yeah, the game. I'm going to veto that. Uh, <laughs> so mean, that's is that the one you'd, uh, you'd throw out? Yeah. I mean, I, I just seem to, uh, for two years in a row now, it's hitting 60% going the other way. And it always seems to make sense to bet on the best player doing really well. We just saw it with Jimmy Butler and Jason Tatum last sure. night. Um, but I just think it's taxed. The I reason why I will veto it, on it. Yeah. The reason why I will veto it is because we saw the Lakers make a defensive adjustment in the second half and especially the fourth That's true, quarter. With Rui and I think that that defensive adjustment, even though I do expect Jokic to make his own adjustment, I don't think he's going to have the monster first quarter that he had in, in in game one. And just to describe that adjustment, they took Anthony Davis off of. Jokic, but he was still only focused on him. He was just playing, sagging off his man, mm-hmm. being a help defender with Rui Hachimera. a big guy for a small forward, uh, bodying Jokic when he got the ball. Yeah, Mike Malone uh, even said yesterday in his press conference that, like, um, we've seen this before. Like, when they went over the film of the game, we've seen teams do this. Right. So they, they know they're going to make their own Jokic adjustments on the way that the Lakers adjusted to play defense against them. What about my guy Austin Reeves? 15.5 is the number again. Uh, 23 last game, 23 in game six against Golden State. Uh, I mean, he hasn't gone under this number in four games. Yeah, this Seems is a lack like a of adjustment guy. by the market. Sometimes they just put their numbers out if there's not enough action on it. But it's gone over, like you said, a bunch of times in a row. And this game is expected to go way higher scoring than we expected in game one. So I think there should have been an adjustment. I'd be surprised if that didn't close 16 and a half or higher. All right. Well, there you go. Maybe that there's my decision. What, what do you think of the Anthony Davis one? Should I throw that one out too? I don't mind it. I don't mind it. I think the matchup will be look like game one for a lot of it. It feels like Anthony Davis end. can get what he wants in this yeah, game. Like yeah, of all sure. the people, he's the guy because Jokic defensively doesn't really have anything for him. It just feels like he's the one guy who I know is going to get the ball a lot. So I'll say my favorite is Austin Reeves, but I de- I'll endorse, I'll co-sign with Anthony Davis. Okay.
This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. How's your social battery right now, AJ? I know sometimes I get drained, and it could be easy to ignore your social battery and just spread yourself too thin, you know, especially when it comes to social gatherings and maybe just things you're not in the mood for. Well, do you know the right amount of socializing you need to do to keep yourself balanced? Therapy can give you that self-awareness and you can build basically your routine that reflects what you need personally. Everybody's different in this way. That was a big driver for me when I was in therapy. I got a lot out of it and it's so easy here Give BetterHelp a try if you've said, I don't want to go out of my way to do this. It's all online. It's as convenient as can be, and it's suited to you. It's simple. Just fill out a brief questionnaire, get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch at any time for no additional charge. Find your social sweet spot with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com Vegas today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash Vegas. AJ. It's important to me that the supplements that I take every single day are of the highest quality. And that's why ever since they jumped aboard as a sponsor with us, I've been drinking AG1. Because for AG1, quality isn't just a buzzword. AG1's ingredients are heavily researched for efficacy and quality. And I love that every scoop has prebiotics, probiotics, digestive enzymes for my gut support, B vitamins for energy. It's got the magnesium and ashwagandha for stress support, also testosterone support, vitamin C and zinc to support my immune system. I don't get sick anymore. Well, you're welcome for introducing you to AG1. Yeah, but uh, I mean, this stuff is incredible. And so many people have asked me, are you just reading commercials? No, man. AG1 is actually legit. And there's a reason why I drink it every single day. It just makes taking care of my health so much easier in general. So if you want to replace your multivitamin and more, start with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3 plus K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first subscription at drinkag1.com slash SOV. That's drinkag1.com slash SOV. Check it out. The Stanley Cup playoffs resume after a few days off, and it'll be the Eastern Conference Finals Game 1. In Raleigh, North Carolina, the Hurricanes hosting the Panthers. Carolina minus 140. Total in this one is five and a half, juiced to the over. And taking a look at these two teams who are playing very good hockey throughout these playoffs, Carolina has the edge analytically this playoffs. In five versus five situations, which is normal, even strength, Carolina has a higher Corsi percentage, meaning they have been having more of the offensive possession, more shots on goal over the course of their games. They have a better um, Corsi against, meaning they're allowing less possession, which that makes sense. If you have more offensive possession and more shots, then you're allowing less less offensive possessions against with less shots against. They are projected to have more goals for slightly over the course of these playoffs. Carolina has scored 27 goals. Florida has scored 25. Both of them have allowed 21. But what should have happened? 27 goals for Carolina. Their expected goal number, 26.74. So, right there. there. Florida, 25 goals for. Their expected numbers, 26.14. So, they should have scored about one goal higher. Defensively, though, 
Carolina should have allowed 24.36 goals. That's their expected goals against. A little bit up from the 21 goals that they did allow. Florida, however, their expected goals against 27.82 compared to the 21 goals that they allowed. That is a big discrepancy. That means they're getting bailed out by good goaltending and some puck luck. I, I, as much as I want to be contrarian and I want to look at this game and I want to say, man, everyone's on the home Carolina Panthers. But that's what the numbers point to. They should be favored. Like, they are the better team. They've played better. Florida gets a lot of love for beating, you know, the, the Bruins and the, Maple, and, the, and the Maple Leafs. They beat the arguably the two best teams in the Eastern Conference. And Carolina got by, you know, an Islanders team that doesn't score and a Devils team that was emotionally spent from a seven-game series over the Rangers and a Devils team that is probably just too young to understand the magnitude of the moment right now. Carolina has been without their top scorers, but yet they still keep getting it done with a defense that's been the best defense in the NHL all season. They just don't allow goals. If you look at the regular season advanced stats— Expected goal percentage in five versus five. Carolina, number one in the league, 60.14%. The Devils, second in the league, by the way. Corsi percentage, your shot attempts, your offensive possession. Carolina, number one in the league. Your Fenwick percentage, your unblocked shots. How many shots are you getting through without the defense getting in front of them? Carolina, number one in the league. Goals against on the season. Boston Bruins, number one. They had the best. They have the Vesna Trophy winning goaltender, right? I mean, we're not going to argue with that. They allowed the fewest goals in five versus five. The number two team, the Carolina Hurricanes. Here's the kicker, though. Expected goals against in the regular season, five versus five. Carolina, number one in the league. Analytically speaking, this is the best team in hockey. Yeah. And there's no denying it. So I'm sitting here looking at, like, all these numbers and how the Panthers have played and how I want to, like, fade the public or do whatever. And then I sit here and I look at all the numbers that carried me through the entire regular season that somehow I may have gotten a little admittedly scared off of during these playoffs. These numbers tell the story. Carolina is the best team in hockey, analytically speaking. They're 5-1 and one in the playoffs at home, 9-1 and one going back to the regular season. They're laying minus 145. You just said they have a 10-goal advantage if you look at the expected goals. Mm-hmm. Uh, why aren't we laying it? I am laying it. There you go. Okay. Carolina game one. <laughs> yeah. It seems irrefutable. Yeah. Again, these they numbers. should be laying minus 170. The numbers just, just jump out. It's It's... And look, Florida's not bad. Florida's got Florida's a top 10 team in, in all of these stats. But you look at all these categories, and number one is Carolina, Carolina, Carolina. And then, oh, they're number two. Oh, they're number two. Oh, then back to number one, Carolina, Carolina. There's no denying th- this team's talent. There's no denying how good of a defense they are. And that's, you know, we can talk about all the goals that have been scored throughout this playoffs. And what's the old cliche in sports? Defense wins championships. Now we're down to the final four. Defense is going to carry you through these playoffs now. That's why we go Carolina here. Okay. By the way, the number two team 
in expected goals against in the uh, in the regular season? Five versus five. VGK, VGK, VGK. Dallas. Nope. The Dallas Stars. I knew he was going to say that. <laughs> Boo. Defense. Defense. Had some walk-offs last night in Major League Baseball. How about the Mets going into the bottom of the ninth inning, down three runs, when Francisco Alvarez had one of the bat flips of the year on a three-run home run to tie the game, and then Pete Alonso's three-run home run in the bottom of the 10th gave the Mets an 8-7 walk-off win over the Rays, a game, AJ, that saw Kode Senga Strike out 12 1 million batters. Oh, 12. Okay. It's close. 12 strikeouts. That was in over six innings. That, that went over for high. I'm guessing that did go over. And that is his career high 12 K's six innings, three hit ball. Just one run allowed three walks. Good showing for him. Certainly. That's a very good showing. Of course, for, this for is one, Senga. one of the few times this season. I didn't bet Singa over K's. Mm-hmm. I was just like, ah, oh, the Rays lineup is so sharp. Well, Not not so sharp. Another walk-off in Toronto, that's up in Canada, eh? Where Danny Jansen hit a three-run walk-off home run off of uh, Wandy Peralta as the Blue Jays beat the Yankees 3-0 in the bottom of the 10th inning. Yankees had their chances against uh, closer Jordan Romano, but unable to score in the top of the 10th. And then uh, some interesting managerial decisions, not walking the bases loaded to set up a double play, trying to play for the out-at-home and... You know, it's just uh, don't get me started on Aaron Boone, but the Blue Jays win 3 nothing. Danny Jansen with the walk-off three-run home run. And then in Houston, that's not up in Canada, a walk-off home run for uh, – no, not a walk-off home run, a walk-off single for Kyle Tucker scoring two runs as the Astros get a 7-6 win over the Cubbies. So it was a, a fun night of walk-offs there for uh, some Major League Baseball teams. Now we focus our attention here to Thursday's games. We have some day games early if you're on the West Coast. So think about this. The Angels are playing the Orioles. This game, for the Angels' body clock purposes, although what's your body clock mean? I mean, they played three games in Cleveland. They're now four games in Baltimore. If you're not adjusted by now, I mean, let's just get the hell out. Uh, 9.35 a.m. Pacific time is first pitch. Orioles minus 155 at home against the Angels. Tyler Wells against Tyler Anderson. And which Tyler is going to be better? Well, Tyler Wells has been really, really good this year. Tyler Anderson's been just a guy. Uh, I, I made two baseball wagers for today's card. The Orioles' money line is one of them. I like backing Tyler Wells here. Did you know? No, probably not that the best record in Major League Baseball belongs to the Tampa Bay Rays. Yes, I actually did know that. 32-12. and 12. Did you know that the second best record in all of Major League Baseball belongs to the Baltimore Orioles? Did not know that. 28-15, and 15, the second best record in all of baseball. That is strong. Strong yeah. work, Baltimore Orioles. There you go. Rays, <laughs> aforementioned, take on the Mets after getting walked off. And the Mets are minus 115 at home with Tyler McGill on the hill against Taj Bradley. Yes, he's back. 3-0 with a 3.52 ERA. You like this Bradley kid, AJ. You backed him earlier in the season. Can you back him as a dog here in Queens? Uh, it's the only way I would look, certainly. Um, I, 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 I do like him quite a bit, and I always say when the Rays have a real pitcher on the mound, I want to back him. I didn't back him today, but I, I certainly that's the way I'd lean. The Nationals are at the Marlins. Trevor Williams 
gets the start for D.C. The Marlins will send Yuri Perez, one of their young prospects, to the mound in his Major League debut against Cincinnati last week. Four and two-thirds innings, four hits, two runs, seven strikeouts on the board. Worth noting that the Marlins have won the first two games of this series. And if you're asking yourself, well, would this be a getaway day system? Because do the Marlins have to play a game on Friday? Well, yes, they do have to play a game on Friday. And where are they playing that game on Friday? Well, that game is across the country in San Francisco. Probably one of the longest travels that you can have in Major League Baseball. I mean, unless you're going to Seattle from Miami. But, I mean, it's an East Coast to West Coast trip. So this is going to be a two-part play here. First part, I like the Nationals as dogs. But more importantly, the second part, the Giants are a big play tomorrow because I always love playing against the the team traveling across the country in their first game. And this is going to be a great matchup on Friday because we have Sandy Alcantara against Anthony DiSclefani. And Alcantara gets more name recognition, but sclafani has been the better pitcher this year. So... I'm going to go with the Giants as an early play for Friday night. Dig it. How about that? Dig it. How about that? You got a buy price? Odds you expect? I expect, I mean, you can't make the Marlins road favorites. So I would think it would be a small line on the Giants, minus 115 to minus 120. Okay. Only because it's Sandy Alcantara. Where do you play it to? I play it to 140. Oh, geez. Okay. Yeah, I think it's that strong. It's like a, the bookmaker's at, like, line it at minus 140. He's taking the rubber band off. I think it's that strong. In All fact, right. in fact, I'd probably go a first five innings under as well, um, or even a first five innings on the San Francisco Giants because the lowest scoring first five team in Major League Baseball is, AJ? The Miami Marlins? The Miami Marlins. Good guess, huh? How where it came that way? Averaging 1.74 runs per first five innings. And on the road this year, averaging just 1.58 runs per first five innings. Not a good spot. So I know I'm looking ahead to Friday, but there's a little uh, appetizer as we call it in the biz. The Guardians are at the White Sox. We're back to Thursday now, today's games. Logan Allen, Dylan Seastay, Chicago minus 140 as the White Sox go for the sweep of the Guardians. This is not a getaway day system because the White Sox are home on Friday, so no get-out-of-town situation. AJ, you're going back to Dylan Cease here, aren't you? I might. Uh, it's it's not one of my two wagers that I told you, though. Dylan Cease is the way I'd look, though. I, I watched him pitch against the Astros last time out, and he was filthy. Uh, a a bounce-back performance because he had three starts in a row terrible that were starts. really bad. Yeah, so I, I'm going to say. Which means he got back to the sticky stuff he was using. Maybe so. I, I hope so. But I got to say this. if I mean, if you're able to shut the Astros lineup down like that, uh, the Guardians lineup probably looks like a triple-A squad to you. Uh, it pretty much is a triple-A squad at this point. So, yeah. I Yet think... they're like second place in that division. <laughs> <laughs> Although you look at the first five scoring, Cleveland, second lowest team in baseball, 1.83 runs per first five innings. Uh, if Logan Allen can limit this White Sox offense, which I think he's capable of doing, um, 
you know, the kid has made four starts now in the majors, and he's allowed one run, two runs, two runs, and three runs. You know, three is probably the most he's going to let up here, and I don't think Cleveland scores so against Dylan Cease. So I think a first five under a four, four and a half, probably safe here because at worst, it's probably a three-nothing White Sox lead after five innings. All right. Yankees at the Blue Jays after the Blue Jays walked off last night. Jose Barrios against Nasty Nestor Cortez. Toronto's minus 135. And I say Nasty Nestor because he's been nasty in a bad way this season. Last start against Tampa, he allowed six runs in four innings. He was good against Oakland, but then again, you know, AJ, your boy, your son can probably be good against Oakland. Um (laughs) He allowed seven runs against the Rangers, four against Minnesota. He has not been a a season to – it's not been an all-star season for Nestor Cortez, I'll tell you that much. How are the Yankees faithful treating them? Uh, how's, how's the mood? Is this a – The Yankees are probably telling – The Chapman Yankees situation? fans are saying throw him down to double A. Like, right. I, so Clay Holmes is a great example of this. Clay Holmes is having a fine year. But if you ask Yankee fans, he's terrible. Mm-hmm. He's, they take it. They I've took him out that. of the ninth inning role. It's like year. you're garbage. You, you got, we got a DFA this guy. It's like, well, he's got like a three point eight ERA. He's been pretty solid. Let's let's slow <laughs> down on DFAing the guy. It's not like you've got a bunch of bullpen arms just hanging around. And then they see guys like Anthony Volpe, who's hitting two twenty, but he's from New York. So they say, <laughs> hey, how about Volpe? Hey! Number eleven. <laughs> Am I wrong? That's my perception. That's how I see the the Yankees fans from afar. The Yankees, they're they're a little impatient. The season keeps moving along, and they keep losing. Um, And you're looking at the standings, and you're like, okay, we're seven and a half games back. This is not good right now. However, they they get good news and bad news uh, on the same day yesterday, essentially, because Domingo Homeron's going to serve a 10-game suspension for the sticky stuff that he uh, got thrown out of the game the other night. Oh, so they can't DFA Nestor right now. <laughs> <laughs> no. But they get some positive news because it looks like Luis Severino is going to make his season debut this weekend. So that certainly is going to help their rotation. You get Severino on the hill, looks like on Sunday in Cincinnati. So Severino against Hunter Green. That'll be a really interesting matchup. I think you're getting to my game now. You think I'm getting to the game I now? Think you're okay. To my game. Uh, by the way, the Yankees, the most wins in Major League Baseball after a loss. 13 and 6 this year after They're a the loss. Anti-A's. Yeah, by the way, we didn't mention it. There's a new system. For a new SOV system here, mm-hmm. it's bet against the Oakland A's after they win. It's now nine and one, nine and one plus seven point three five units on the season. Yeah, they are one and nine after a win this season it is the worst record in Major League Baseball after a win. Do you know who has the second worst record in Major League Baseball after a win? No, the Chicago White Sox at two and twelve. They just won back-to-back games against the Guardians. So they would have already broken their system. Oof. That's one of those two wins was the one yeah. that they had yesterday. So they were the worst until this. <laughs> yes. Oh, maybe I don't want to be on Dylan C's day. That's enough for me to say no thanks. Uh, and finally, we have the Dodgers at the Cardinals. Julio Urias gets the mound for the Dodgers. Adam Wainwright. Waino. On the hill for the home Cardinals, LA minus one fifty-five. All right, AJ, what do you what are you thinking here? What are you playing? Over eight and a half. Adam Wainwright's been an absolute disaster. The the Dodger Arias has been hittable certainly, but the bullpen's taxed now. 
because Dustin May got injured yep. in the second inning the other mm-hmm. day. They had to pitch a bunch of bullpen innings. Uh, and you you just don't bet against – if you're betting against the Dodgers, you don't do it when they have a right-hander on the mound. They mash righties. I think they just absolutely blowtorch Wainwright here. So eight and a half seems like a really low number to me. And I get the name value, Urias Wainwright. Mm-hmm. Like, at different points, you could have said, wow, great pitching matchup. I don't know that that's the case right now. So I like over eight and a half in this game. I like it. Um, I think, you know, the Cardinals coming off a big win. Matt Libertori had five shutout innings in his uh, season debut last night. The offense is Cardinals are hitting great. Yeah, the offense is coming along. So, um, yeah, maybe maybe we'll be back. Let's see. After a win this year, what are the Cardinals right now? St. Louis is, ooh, seven and ten after a win. That's okay, though. That's okay. We'll, 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 uh, not, we don't need them to win the game. No, I we don't should, care who wins. We just need them to score a bunch of yeah. runs. Yeah. We just need them to score a bunch of runs. I can tell you what the what their over trends are after a win. Give it to me. So after uh, a, you, actually, maybe you don't because I've already made this bet. So it's, nothing can change unless. So only give it to me if it's positive. If not, just end the show. <laughs> um, seven overs, eight unders. Okay, so it doesn't matter. It doesn't okay. matter. <laughs> But at home this year, the Cardinals are 13-8-1 to the over. Mm. So that's got to make you feel a little bit better. That does make me feel a little bit better. There you go. Again, it's already played, so there's nothing I can do about it. So it's just got to work. You guys got to get over to pregame.com and take advantage of some incredible offers that we have going on. First off is just the new member discount. If you are a new member to pregame.com, you get $25 just for signing up. Go to the website. takes less than a minute. Sign up and bam, $25 in your box. You can spend it however you'd like. But we got some great offers going on. Like right now, you can get the rest of May all access. So choose your favorite pregame pro, and you can get the rest of this month for the same price. Actually, for less than a normal seven-day all-access package. So think about that. There's 31 days in May. Today's the 18th. So that's, oh, what's the math here? So that's seven. That's 13 eight, days nine, remaining. 10, 11, 12, 13. That's 13 days remaining mm-hmm. in the month of May. You can get it for cheaper than seven day all access. I like that. That's a good deal. So it's 13 days for less money than seven days. And if you're a new member and you can use your $25 towards that, you get it for even cheaper than that. Man. That's a great deal. I like that. Only available at pregame.com. For Mackenzie Rivers and AJ Hoffman, I'm Scott Seidenberg. We are straight out of Vegas, AM.